All right, welcome to another week. Uh, we finally have a name. Yep. What's the name? Don't sweat the technique. Yep. So that's uh, Eric B. and uh, Rakim had a song, a hip-hop song back in the day. It's an old song. Don't sweat the technique. I'm an old guy. It's a great song. I, I can, yeah, I'm the one that found the song. That's fair. So <laughs> this week we have a special guest. A uh, bit of a, a, a LinkedIn legend in our circles, um, a security expert, um, security, awareness. Um, security awareness, training, all kinds of things. And also, uh, well, I learned a, a Game Boy developer from back in the day. So my first question, wow. as we do with all of our guests going forward, uh, is we ask you, what was your first computer, Ron? First computer. I'm just actually shocked that you found out that I actually had a uh, Game Boy programming career. <laughs> I mean, I thought that F- the FBI actually buried that information. No, I, I paid good money to have that buried. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, that was pretty cool. So, yeah, the first computer that I had. So, you're basically trying to date me. So, I, I told them that I was 20. Uh, so, this is going to... This is, yeah, this originally, is not gonna go- Ron told me he was 20 when yep. we first met. <laughs> yep. Until yeah. he changed his LinkedIn picture. That yeah. Yeah, yeah and, I took, and I took the paper bag off. Yeah. So I guess back on track. Uh, so the first computer, it's actually kind of an interesting story. Uh, it's only an hour, right? Okay. But uh, so we went, uh, I got, I basically got into computers when I was about eight. And I got into it when I was actually going into a, a store, actually, I think it was the Sears. And they had a Commodore VIC-20 sitting in there. You know, and, you said you had the first time too? Yeah, that was my first computer, too. Yeah, so I, I walked in, and, and, and there was like a, a programmer guy sitting on the keyboard, and he was doing stuff, making his name slide across the screen. You know, I'm sitting there as an you know, 8, 10-year-old kid going, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, so so from there, I kind of got, uh, it's almost like you, a little light bulb goes off. So I went in, and for Christmas, uh, years later, I mean, you didn't have a lot of money, so so my family actually saved up, and they actually bought me a uh, Tandy uh, color computer three so what wow. they call coco <laughs> so back in the i almost i almost can look at that as the original flame war back in the day about computers because you know commodore and tandy you know we didn't like commodore people even though that's what i first saw and got into but once i get into the color computer three yeah, or the coco you know it's like uh you know it was a little you know a little more horsepower better cpu better graphics I think <laughs> it could have been all in our heads at that time, but uh, was that like the the green screen, or did it have amber screen? Actually, back no, or was it uh, full color? No, uh, the Coco was actually didn't come with. Uh, well, it's full color. It was eight, oh. eight bit. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it was uh, it was a TV. So I didn't actually have a monitor. We're, we're thinking back. You know, you're back in days where you you have a box that you put on. You know, into the coaxial. Uh, jack in the back of the tv and it had an adapter I, my, my computer was on a tv that's pretty cool i didn't have a monitor I, that was for the rich folk that was like the guy in the next <laughs> street over. wasn't tandy like a, a radio shack yep product yeah yep, yeah it is a radio shack and rest they, in peace radio shack <laughs> oh they're they're back <laughs> what are they the source no 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 in the u.s yeah, yeah oh are they um, making a comeback yeah sorry for your sorry for saying rest in peace uh, to radio shack if you want to sponsor us radio shack you totally can but no, I'm probably can't afford it. No, I'm pretty sure you're going to the soup kitchen after this. <laughs> but it's uh, but it was a it was a beautiful computer. It's uh, you know, it uh, when I first got it, it was uh, 128k of RAM, which you know, wow, oh, yeah, it was wow. <laughs> but I managed to save up all my little uh, jobs that I was doing, working at the fair, and I was uh, uh, trying to get some extra money, and I saved up and I actually bought the 512k upgrade module. Wow! So I was running. This around. guy was upgrading computers before <laughs> upgrading computers was a thing. Uh, actually, we we took it to even another level because you, you start meeting people and you start networking back then. And uh, I managed to meet somebody that was from uh, that had some uh, connections to IBM. And what he actually was able to do is take a uh, five and a quarter inch floppy drive, modify the controller to make it work with a Tandy. What? <laughs> so so when I first got my Tandy, I didn't even have anywhere to save my work. So what I would do is I'd get the Rainbow Magazine, and I would type in the code. It would take me maybe four or six hours. I'd type it in. It would never work. Fantastic. <laughs> Developer in training, basically, at that point, because yeah. it never worked. Yeah. yeah. Now, don't ask me how things were published that don't work. It's yeah. Actually, things today don't work when they come out. So this what, is very true. <laughs> so, 
you know, so uh, we would type it in from the magazine, or I would type it in from the magazine. It, some of this would be pretty lengthy. So we take four six hours. We would, uh, t- I would type it in, and uh, get it to work, figure it out, you know, and uh, play the game or whatever it was, until I had to turn the computer off. <laughs> so the computer would stay on for a few days, and uh, I'd be, you know, kind of tired of that game. I turn it off. Off it goes. It was in basic. Uh, so that's it. So turn it off. Gone. Gone. Everything I worked on. Because wow. so so after that, I I was I managed to save up some money and I bought, I bought the tape recorder. So we actually record. Uh, so my code was saved on the actual tape recorder. So literally hitting record and your pro. I don't know if you've ever seen. Yeah, that, so yeah. That, I had that on my Vic Twenty. Yeah. I. I I couldn't remember what that part was for, but that was recording our code. That was actually your store. I mean, it's, it's storage. You know, yeah. it's just a different way. You know, you can store anything to tape. And even now, if you look at tapes for backups, you yeah. still have tape backups. So they're a little bit more sophisticated than what the uh, the record and play button that I had. But <sighs> it was, uh, that's how you saved your code. And then, uh, you know, that was kind of cool. And then you, you, you get your modem. So I had a 300 baud modem that I used to connect to the BBSs and, that was great. That was fun. And we kind of went from there. <laughs> so first computer, yeah, Tandy Coco 3. That's crazy. Now, now, how, how did you get into making Game Boy games? And will you share with us which Game Boy games that you made? Uh, I can uh, try to remember. Uh, remember, I am old. Uh, so <laughs> so making games, uh, I grew up to, I was on the demo scene. Uh, we actually had a little demo group back then uh, called Bodies in Motion. So we were doing demo groups, making games. And actually, we won the science fair. Uh, well, uh, my friends and I, uh, with our Cocos, <laughs> we created a game called Laser Wars. And that's actually what we used to... Uh, is that anywhere to be found it, or is it gone? No, it's just a basic game, literally in basic, that we made back in uh, where I'm from, which is New Brunswick. So St. John, New Brunswick. Oh, cool. So we made the game and we, uh, yeah, we, we that was our entry into the science fair. And of course, that's back at a time where computers were like, you know, people, wow. <laughs> no computer. Well, it still should be did still you, saying wow. Did you win? Oh, we did. Yes. Nice. Yeah, uh, they were pretty impressed with that that we managed to put that together. We worked day and night. I mean, nothing's changed. We work day and night now <laughs> in our field. But yeah, we worked. You know, we got it out. It, it worked. It wasn't fantastic. It wasn't commercial quality. But you know, we got it out. We did it. And we're talking kids that were uh, we were in middle school back in the day where we still had middle school. <laughs> I think we were in uh, grade seven. Uh, so trying, yeah. to, trying to think of what I was doing in grade seven, if it was like <laughs> anything good, and and it wasn't, it wasn't anything good at all. I think my science experiment thing that we did was we took different, I think of almost eight different plants, um, and we tried like the same plants but eight different pots of the same plant, I guess, yeah. um, and we tried different liquids to see which one would actually make it grow the best. Uh, we had like pop, which died instantly, basically. <laughs> uh, water, obviously, coffee. Uh, I don't remember the rest, but the one that actually lasted the longest Kool-Aid. Was green tea. Oh, that yeah. makes sense. Well, you, yeah. you, you see those uh, um, like Japanese women that are, they're like 107, and they, yeah. they say, oh, I just have a cup of tea every day. So yeah. that, that makes sense. Well, green yeah. tea is also a, uh, has caffeine in it, so it's yeah. even a stimulant. I know yeah. green, tea, uh, green tea also has some other pretty cool stuff in it. It has caffeine in it? It has more caffeine than a coffee, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Really? Yeah. yeah. I should start drinking green tea. Yeah. yeah. And there's some other, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the camera. Antioxidants and yeah, a whole bunch of. I'm going to have some green tea then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. Uh, so yeah, back to the game thing. Sorry. I, I'm bad for tangents. So well, we, if, yeah. if we're, I we're bad for distracting. <laughs> so yeah. So getting into the game. So that, uh, uh, so we made those games and then, you know, I, I, I kind of get out of computers a little bit doing other things. I, I started doing, uh, you know, baking and, you know, as you kind of go through your life, you do all these jobs, especially where I'm from in New Brunswick. It's kind of a, a place where they call, you know, jack of all trades, you know, yep. seasonal work. So, you know, you have to go make a living eventually. So I wasn't making a living, so I do other jobs. So I came up to Ontario uh, not that long ago. Uh, shouldn't say that long ago, 20. <laughs> so 25, <laughs> say 25 years ago. But I came up to Ontario and... I uh, was working some odd jobs up here as well. And then my friend uh, got offered a job at uh, Sandbox Studios. And uh, he, they were looking for more programmers. So he sent me a, I was living in Toronto and that's kind of how I came to London. So they wanted to say, can you, what can you do for resume? So in that kind of business, piece of paper resume isn't really what they're looking for. Yeah, you have to show your work. So, but 
have any work. So <laughs> I said, can, so I worked nonstop day and night for like two weeks. And I made an actual uh, clone of uh, the game Breakout. Wow. And one thing that was very different about Sandbox Studios is their Game Boy games are all in assembly language. You had to write it and code it in low-level assembly language. So, which I did, I did as a hobby when I was younger, but I had to get that back in. So, in the Z80 processor, I had to learn the instruction set, which was very similar to what the 6809 was in the uh, Coco 3. So, I did that, put the game together, and put a little, they reviewed it and said it was, you know, great. Uh, when can you start? <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, they, they uh, helped me relocate, paid for relocate. So, I went from Toronto to London and uh, made games, and I was, uh, Went right into the Game Boy department, which is good because I wasn't really into 3D, and I, I still wasn't even. It wasn't my thing. I wasn't into more of a platform, you know, side scroller, yep. simple Game Boy color games, and uh, that was perfect for me. It, it which worked. is perfect for a Game Boy, anyways. You can't really have like 3D ish. I don't know. For me, when I had a Game Boy, I just liked the side scrollers. It was me. For me, it was just Tetris. I had like, <laughs> I can say that I've probably wasted a year of my life. Combined? On Tetris, on a Game Boy. That's all I played. Yeah. You never played Pokemon? Didn't care, no. Just <laughs> wow. Tetris. Wow. That's the only game I've, I've ever played. I was <laughs> wondering if you made it. But it's interesting no. <laughs> that they make, ga- they make Game Boy games in London, Ontario. Uh, they do make Game Boy. Uh, that, that, that's, well, wasn't this that. building where they built, where they created Doom? Here? Or Quake. Here? Quake. Yes. Yeah, in so this building. building? Yes. So Digital Extremes. Was, yes. Uh, was here. It was okay. developed. Really? Because yeah. I thought that's why this was Sterling Marketing Products. No. Back yeah. in the day. Yeah. Back in the day. Way before that? Well, when we, whenever oh. was Quake was around, it was developed in this building. That's why all the rooms have the video I just games. thought uh, all the rooms had video games because Joel liked video no. games. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, for, for those that are our listeners that don't work at Infotech, um, yeah, all every boardroom has a uh, has a different video game uh, from back in the day. Like I'm looking – we're in Guitar Hero right now. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers is across the way. Zelda – um, a whole bunch of different ones, but you can actually play that particular video game in that room and only that video game in that room, which is which is interesting. Except for this one, that doesn't have doesn't guitar. have the guitar, so you can't play. It. <laughs> but let let's let's fast forward um, to now, uh, or not not so much now, but uh, I just have a, a a list of ransomware attacks that have happened recently, uh, as of July. City Power, which is an electric utility in Johannesburg, South Africa, got uh, hit with a, a ransomware attack. June, uh, Lake City, Florida, we talked about on our last show. Uh, Riviera Beach um, got hit in June as well. And then the big one, uh, May 7th, was uh, City of Baltimore we talked about. Then there's a bunch of other ones. There was actually a really recent one. Uh, that I think our friend Alex had talked about, and it was a renewable energy plant in the U.S. that just got hit. Yeah, did he? Uh, is that the? Uh, I know. I know in India the uh, the nuclear plant got hit. Yeah, there was that one now and, too. Yeah, that. Well, and there's another one in April for the city of Tallahassee got hit, and uh, the hackers stole four hundred ninety-eight thousand dollars. So, with that being said, I thought you could. Um, give us kind of a what's what's going on why are so many municipalities and local government why are they getting hit so hard yeah it, it definitely is hard and even close to home uh, Woodstock yep is you know 30 minutes away we, we've got the same problem and uh, you know I think you know the, the why it happens I mean obviously this is a you know what they call cyber crime and ransomware is you know it's almost like a, I would look at it as you know cyber terrorism and the reason I think it really works well is, you know, kind of the, you know, the ROI on it. And if you take a look at all cybercrime, it, all, it really does come down to ROI. And, you know, you want to go in, you want to inflict as much carnage as you can and as much terror as you can in, that, in, in the tech industry. And ransomware is one that does it very well because you're really holding somebody's data hostage. And people know, and, and, and the cyber criminals know that the backup strategies and the resiliency isn't where it needs to be. I mean, it, it's obvious. And the thing is, is they know that it's everywhere. And it's also a, ma- a matter of, you know, there's also state-sponsored, you know, you hear about APT groups, you know, where they say the active persistent threat. And a lot of them are state-sponsored, and it's for collecting information, collecting data, intelligence, espionage. 
ransomware works kind of twofold. And if you've seen like one of the recent, I can't remember what APT group it was, but they say they were working on a, uh, a dual uh, mode, a dual factor. They were basically working for the state and I won't say which state, I don't like getting into the politics side of it. Yeah. But, you know, but they were also working on their own on the side with permission from the state, they think, to say, okay, you know, you're working for us, you need to collect intel, intelligence, help us with what we're doing, but you can also have your little side gig. So it kind of gives them free reign. Since free you're working reign. for us, we won't get you in trouble for what else you're doing. Yeah, so they're going and doing the, you know, the ransomware, and ransomware is like a double whammy. You know, so you're basically holding your, da- your data hostage, you get the Bitcoin or whatever, you know, whatever you're looking, is usually Bitcoin that you're looking to get the ransom payment from, and then they, wait for you to pay you know you may not pay but they also extract your data yeah there's this um i was reading today where um situations where emotet infects the computer and only to drop trickbot onto the system as a payload and then um it'll put like trojans on it uh as it's it's just crazy like they're and then if that doesn't work, then they're put then they're uh, putting ransomware on the computer. And they're also leaving little what they uh, what they call rats or any you know remote access trojans back on the machine, so they can come back and do it again. Yeah. And that's what you're seeing in like Johannesburg. A Johannesburg is hit threat. again. So it's like Trickbot, Emotet, and then the was it Ryuka? Ryuka? Is there's, that how you say? There's so many. I mean, you're having yeah. you're you're looking back to even to the point of you know even when WannaCry came out, you know, kind of the. Was it the grandfather? The biggest one, yeah. <laughs> well, biggest one at the time, but it's still actually still infecting things today. I mean, yes. Not everybody's protected. There's still Windows XP machines out there. And <laughs> no, we're talking it's, about your fa- it's, your, it's your favorite OS. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, and you know, the thing is, is that they always tell you that you don't pay the ransom. And because the thing is, you don't know what's going to be left over after you do. There's no guarantee you're going to get your data back. Now, when I was, uh, I was at a TrustWave uh, seminar, uh, couple years ago and at that time it was pretty uh it it seemed to you know maintain the idea that you always do get your data back and i think the whole idea to them it's a business you know if if you're going to ransom somebody's computer they pay you the ransom you don't unlock their files no one's going to pay you the next time yeah so you almost have to have it's almost like an honor among thieves (laughs) you have to so you, you typically do get your data back and they give the key to encrypt, you know, decrypt, decrypt it, and then from there, you don't know what's left over. So if you don't do a full audit of the system and look at Johannesburg, they're 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 hit again. You know, they're getting uh, attacked, and they're also they have to get access again and pay more money. Yeah, because that, that's what I was thinking. Is like, I go in, I hack your systems, I put ransomware on it. I've I get you know five hundred thousand dollars in Bitcoin. But then I go spend it all and I need more money, rents due, and what's stopping me from going back and hitting the exact same person that's already already paid? It's like it's like collecting your allowance. Well, the, yeah, now that they're leaving uh, ways to come back into the system because they're just giving you your data back. They're not actually helping you secure your system. <laughs> right. They don't want to do that. And even so for for cuz hopefully we we eventually get uh, a big following on this podcast. But what's the advice to um to organizations in local government or whatever, um, what's the advice then? What do you do? So if you've been hit, because uh, Baltimore bought an insurance policy, yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know if that's one. the, I don't know if that's the the right thing where you're getting the insurance company to always front the bill, but I would assume that 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 deductible goes up after time. Um, what's the advice? I mean, uh, to me, I, I have mixed feelings about the rent, uh, you know, insurance. You know, I mean, it's almost like uh, what we see now with, uh, you know, I don't want to call it anybody or industry, but you go to fix your car, you pay out of your own pocket. It seems to be a little bit less than what it would cost if it goes through insurance. And we've all seen that. We've all been there. And, you know, these attackers, these cyber criminals are going to target people that actually have insurance because they know that they're pretty much going to get paid. Now, I have heard uh, mixed uh, points of view on the ability to get insurance. That you can't just, not everybody can just go buy insurance. You have to meet certain minimum requirements. You have to actually show that your network is now secure enough because you're not going to insure somebody that, high risk. that's high risk. Yeah. Uh, unless you're going to insure them under a high risk policy. But I think it still sets a bad precedent that 
you know, everybody has this insurance. You don't have to worry about the data. You don't have to care anymore. You know, companies can basically say, your data isn't important enough for me to worry about anymore because we have insurance that'll cover it. And, you know, there's a lot of this uh, talk today about privacy and a lot of privacy fails. And if your data, because they don't just ransom your data, they take it. That information is lost. It could be children's data on a, you know, a school board. So let's say a school board had uh, ransomware insurance and they get ransomed. That doesn't mean that 50,000 kids' private data is now out there in the black market. Yeah, and I, and I would think that like in government, they have probably the most data on you than anyone else. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, you got your data back, but your data is now also on the dark web for sale. Yeah. And so You never get it back. Yeah. That's the thing. You might get it unlocked. But you never get it back. No, you're not going to get all. It's copied or yeah. something, some duplicated somewhere. You're going to get it back. That, but everyone else already has it as well. Yeah. So like, I, I would think that the sp- instead of spending an exorbitant amount of money, like we said on the last podcast, I think a city Houston paid f- almost half a million dollars to get a thirty million dollar policy. Now, um, I would think that it just makes sense to put that money into securing. Yeah, the other problem too is I was reading, I don't know who or where I read it. I think it was on LinkedIn. Um, but you know how much of a pain it is sometimes to deal with insurance companies. You know, if your house burns down, yeah. who are they blaming it on? Um, you know, your car gets into an accident, you have to go through the whole rigmarole of trying to figure out whose fault, who's at fault. Um, and there was some company somewhere that was trying to get their cybersecurity insurance payment out to fix their issue um and they only gave them like a small portion of what their actual insurance was yeah. it was like a tenth of what their insurance liability sounds like was. insurance to me yeah <laughs> yeah we're not sponsored by any insurance company so <laughs> you can say whatever more. you want i mean yeah and even then we'll, we'll probably just i mean they're not gonna listen no. we'll just say we'll just talk crap about them anyway yeah, but, um but yeah anyway, i think it's still it, it, i think it does set a bad precedent and like like you're saying it's not a guarantee that first of all that you're going to be able to get the insurance it's not a guarantee that you're going to actually get the money out that you've paid and what do you do then you're still at the point okay well we've got you know we we got the key we got our data unlocked it's lost the ip's lost and i always look at i always kind of think of cybercrime as the crime that keeps on taking because they come in they ransomware, they get money from that, and then the fallout from that is almost impossible to even, you know, determine how that's going to go, how long it's going to go for, because you could take somebody's data, they take that data, they use it in social engineering attacks to the lists, and they try to hack into these people and take and, and continue this process down the road. You don't know when that's going to come back and get you next. And then there's the fallout that happens, which I really don't like, is the infighting. So what happens is that let's uh, like Equifax and uh, you're seeing these companies in Desjardins and you know they're they're getting sued because they failed to protect your data. So people are suing them, yeah, for getting you know hacked by these criminals and your data getting lost. So it's almost like to me you're getting hit like two or three you know it's it's like a triple whammy against these companies and I don't think it's solving anything at that point. You know you're basically uh, you know you've lost your data you've lost your IP. People are getting socially engineered, and then you're all fighting. We're all fighting them on ourselves. And, and some of them are are putting that responsibility on the IT person themselves. Like, and and it brings up a good point that that it's just when are you going to get hit again? But like, if we take Atlanta, Georgia, who got hit in 2018, well, they just got hit again, and they ended up spending what was it 400,000. Yeah. Right. So next year. When I need four hundred thousand dollars as a hacker, <laughs> I'm going after Atlanta. And so it's because once you see those username and passwords, because they're going to have all that stuff, it's probably out there already for everyone to see. They're going to socially engineer towards like uh, even just being able to guess that person's password based on what their old password was. Oh yeah. So yeah. there's trends, well, patterns. Yeah. yeah, the crazy part is too. Even when people get that notification that. Oh, you know, your email account has been compromised, blah, blah, blah. Please change your password. Unless it's a forced password change, most people don't even go in and change their password. So chances are, if I've already, you know, got into your company using that email address or that account, that login, 
I'm just going to keep trying it again, and chances are I'll probably still be able to get back in because yeah, and they and they may not trust percentage. the email that's coming out and saying that you need to change your password yeah. because how many of them do we get every yeah, day? That's yeah, that's all fish. That, yeah, yeah, that's a phishing scam yeah. too, right? From like Amazon, I got three of them last week. We are. In um, yeah, I would. Uh, so couple couple things, um, and I saw a post from you, I think this week or last, um, talking about changing your password, always having a unique password for each. Uh, login and that to, that is challenging for people. People can't wrap their heads around like how can I remember that many passwords, and they don't know a lot about these password managers, which I've been using for years. Um, and I won't say the one that I use so that I you know so I don't get hacked. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be a target. But uh, can you share with the listeners for those who don't know about uh, a password manager, like what is what is that all about? Uh, yeah, it's it, it's a tool. It's a vault, a secure vault, uh, where all your passwords are stored. And now it itself is is secured by a password. So one thing about with a uh, password vault. Now there are I, again, I don't want to plug any any specific one. No, I think it would be good just to to give maybe like five well, different ones or three different ones so that people can go uh, investigate themselves. Okay. Uh, well, one that uh, which I do plug on uh, LinkedIn frequently is Bitwarden, which. Uh, which our friend Alexander, yeah, I use that one too. Uh, he, you know, he plugs that as well. And the reason for that is it's an open source password manager. There's a lot of different, you know, there's eyes on it, programmers looking at it, checking the code. It releases security updates quickly. But one of the advantages that it has is the ability to keep the vault off the cloud. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there scared of cloud. You know, it's uh, with good reason, and not because it's inherently unsafe. Let's say it's just that people are by default are not protecting things that they can. Now, the visibility isn't there, like, you know, we have with on-prem and in colo situations, but but Bitwarden is a good one. You can keep it off the cloud. You can do a, a sync from your device to your other device and do it from, like, a peer-to-peer sync. So you can actually keep it off. You can set up a, uh, a server of your own at your company and actually host your own vault there. Now, the, now the way, so it's a great tool. Then uh, I would say the other two just kind of go into the What's popular? LastPass. LastPass. And then there's what's the uh, one password is probably the one next password. One. There's another one. It's it's open source too, and you can download it from SourceForge. KeyPass. The KeyPass. Yeah. Yeah. KeyPass. Yeah, and some tools are actually including KeyPass vaults in them. Uh, PHP uh, Storm uh, from JetBrains is actually doing that. So they're actually using a KeyPass vault to store the uh, credentials uh, that the IDE is connecting to for like MySQL and SQL Server. So they're putting a key pass password vault embedded nice. inside the system. So yeah, they, these are great tools. Now the only thing is the best practices in terms of getting into the tool. I mean, you have the biometrics that can unlock the tool. Uh, yeah. That's oh well, I saw that post that you actually you had a discount code or something too, and we're not sponsored by anyone yet. But <laughs> but uh, I looked into it. And it looked pretty cool. I can't. I, but I can't remember the name of it's the like top. It's a hardware key. Ubico. The hardware Ubico. Yeah, yeah. I'm a uh, Ubico affiliate. So oh, okay. I, yeah. So I actually got a uh, a special offer from them a couple uh, for Halloween. Yeah. Uh, that actually gave uh, people uh, thirteen dollars off. I don't, don't ask me why they come up with that thirteen. <laughs> because it maybe Halloween Friday. It wasn't on Friday. It was Lucky on Thursday. Number, okay, I have no, 13, no idea. I don't, I don't know why it was 13 but it was $13 uh, US off for, for when you purchased two. Yeah. And, you know, I think that might, might be confusing for people. Why would I? Why do I need two? And the idea, if you're using these uh, keys, and everybody is, I hear the same uh, worry and, com, you know. Actually, I think I asked you that question too. So what, why would I need two or what happens if I lose it? If you lose one. Yeah. And it's the same thing that what happens if you lose your driver's license. What happens if you lose your, your, house, key. Uh, your house key? Your house key, yeah. You, you don't lose them that often. And when you do, it's you a freak pain. Out. <laughs> but you know what? That's why you buy two. So a lot of these services now allow you to pick. So you can't copy. Now, that's one thing that people think, well, can I just copy the keys on the, you know, the, the codes on the other key? No, you can't. Because the way that these devices are designed, they're what they call write-only. So Whoa. you can write into a YubiKey, but you can't read out from it. So what happens is you buy in one and then you add a secondary uh, authentication or method to your to your account, and you put the second key in. So you do two at a time. Oh. One in a vault, one in your keychain. So if something does happen, now if you're in a corporate environment, so if you are in a corporate environment, you're, you're in a business, you don't have to worry too much about that. Because the thing is, is that the administrator can go in from the back end, and they can say, so turn off that turn key. off the Yubico key, let's rebind a new one to it. So you don't have to have a lot of concern when you're on it, but from a home user, and I recommend, but I think there's there's a lot of work still to be done to socialize and to educate and show people, because I think people, you know, 
no one knows how to really use these things. Yeah. There's not a lot of information out there. I think it's a lot. That's of- why I didn't buy it. Because I, I was on the site. I had it in my cart. And then I was like, you know what? Yes, it's cool that I'm getting a discount today. But I want to understand a little bit more before I go out and buy this thing. And, and like talking about like getting locked out of your house. Like that, that happened to me where I thought I had the key and I didn't. And then my girlfriend didn't have the key. And I was super worried. I recently just um, saw a YouTube video. Uh, there's a YouTube channel called the uh, Lockpick Lawyer, and he had one of those promotions on. I ended up buying a lockpicking kit, <laughs> and I'm learning that now. But you check that guy out on YouTube. Is he's the Bob Ross of our generation now for lockpicking? Just yeah, for lockpicking. But he's his the way he does these videos. You, you're entranced. His voice. I don't know where he's from or who he is, but it's nice. uh, they're interesting videos. So yeah, I'm gonna learn how to pick locks. Nice. But if anything goes missing, it's not my fault. Okay. I didn't do it. But you know, you do the same thing with your uh, house key, because uh, uh, I mean, if you if you live in a home, you, you know, you have your neighbor, and how many? I mean, do you have neighbors that uh, they have a key to your house by chance? I don't. No, well, my neighbor has a key to my house. Uh, just, my, in, well, just in case. The so we sold our house um, and. I had a friend that had a key, but my neighbor definitely didn't have a key. So it's like you'd have to call a locksmith, which would suck. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you have your kit. But if you leave your kit inside the house. Then... Oh, I'm not there. I couldn't even. <laughs> they give you a practice lock and it's see-through so you can kind of see how things work. But it's not the same as a door lock. <laughs> yeah. So by the time I figure out how to do it, uh, it, it yeah, it won't even be relevant. It'll be like. <laughs> 20 years from now before it could actually be the door locked. Yeah, and the locksmith isn't going to get you into uh, your account when you lose your key. No. If you back up, because, I mean, that's the thing. Is Now, I shouldn't say that. Uh, you know, there is pro- most likely a way to get back in. I actually haven't, uh, myself, haven't had to go through that because, I, you know, I have, I have a backup. I have a spare. And also, in a corporate environment, you know, administrator, I'm also the admin. So, yeah. <laughs> I'll go in with the, you know, with the backup key or one of the other. You know, you always have two. You know, every company should have two level of an account. So, you know, we have two accounts. So the second account would go in and, and, and solve the problem. But I haven't actually gone through and, and heard of any experiences where somebody goes to, let's say, call Microsoft and say, I've lost my key. Yes, I had just one. What do I do? Yeah, because that, they have the ability to get you back into your account. Into your system. They, yeah. can't, uh, they can't give you the code. The code is, there's nothing, you, can, you know, the code is your code. It's on device. Yeah. But they can turn off that. And that say, key. get you back in, and you can re, you know, you can put a new key in at that point. But you'd have to go through and call them up on the phone. Uh, other ways of authenticating yourself and you know proving who you are. Uh, and we've, I think, we've all done that at some point in the past where we've lost access to things. Uh, so yeah, you you could go through that approach unless they explicitly say, no, <laughs> you have to make a new account at that point, and they almost have to. You know, you're getting to a point now where social engineering is so good, and you see this with uh, simjacking, and you see it with uh, the uh, Twitter, yep. where yeah. and, and where they're calling up and they're getting your phone number transferred to other cell phones to get the MFA codes. They're actually calling up the representatives, you know, tricking them that they're you, and getting you to transfer their phone numbers over to your phone. Yeah, that was a pretty crazy hack on Jack Dorsey's Twitter account. Yeah. Like that's pretty like that's highly targeted account. Um, yeah, but account jacking basically. But look how we I mean it's not easy but they were able to Yeah, they were able to do it. To the do guy that. that owns Twitter. Like that's that's wild. I think we need strict policies in place to say if you lose access to your account, the account is gone. Yeah, like I lost <clears throat> someone hacked my uh my first Gmail. And uh, cuz I, I always pride myself on not having a number in my in my email <laughs> because like it's just like you're unoriginal. Like an original thing, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? And so now I have the number one after my original email. <laughs> and, and like, I talked to them and it was like, this is what happened. And they're like, nope. And uh, they, they just said I couldn't prove it was my account. Now, I mean, granted, it doesn't really matter to me so much, but it was, it was, uh, or to them or anybody really. But like, now I have a one in my email. Yep. It sucks. No, you're it's, not original. I'm not, I'm an unoriginal person. <laughs> well, you're the only one that has a one after that na- number. Or that name. <laughs> yeah, but still. <laughs> Unless someone has like a 32 or like their lucky number with the same email. I'll fight yeah. them. I'll fight <laughs> them for it. Well, it's like that. Uh, did you see that password engineering video that they put out where they, uh, uh, one of the uh, security groups went out with a, cam- uh, with a camera and the microphone and asked people oh, what yeah. the passwords were? 
Wasn't I mean that was just that was mind blowing. Have you seen them? <laughs> no, I haven't seen. So it, they're, they're basically like it. asking them questions. You know the security questions that come up, like what's your favorite yeah. animal? But yeah. They're just basically asking them these questions. Yeah. And then they would figure out like their their password. I just like if if you had to, if it's like what's your, what's your middle name? For for girls, I just put in Anne. It's always Anne. You can always <laughs> it's always Anne. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's great. There's a Vice um, story. Well, it would have been like a video, right? Um, where they hack the the interviewer. What is the? Oh, yeah. So we have people throwing rocks at the window. Apparently. Um, yeah. Thanks for bringing me here, guys. I feel really yeah. safe tonight. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's my kids outside, and, and I think they want to come inside. So. You want to go get them? No, I'll, I'll just, we'll just uh, pause here and, and go for a commercial break from our sponsors. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. So, Ron, you're our sponsor. We'll, we'll be right back. <laughs> Sorry, we had to have a break because we kept hearing these weird noises. And it uh, turns out it was my girlfriend and my kids throwing pebbles at the window to get into the building and the reason for that which is pretty wild but i know was because she was <laughs> locked out of the house like you can't make this stuff up yeah this is perfect like how weird is that so, so i'm like you know i'm recording why are you here she goes i got locked out of the house i forgot my keys that's wild yeah i thought, I thought it was the start of a horror movie you know burn yeah <laughs> right like, I, this is a an interesting neighborhood i hope you locked your car ron i should have mentioned that that's okay. Um, Maybe. <laughs> well, it's not like a terrible neighborhood, but last time, remember, uh, the last time, the first time we recorded, I forgot to lock the car and someone had gone through the whole thing. They didn't take anything because there's nothing no. in it, but they had gone through, you could tell. They, well, someone had gone through someone else's car here during the day. Yeah, of course. That's what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Middle of the day, people there's... are outside having smokes or whatever, and someone was just going right through, rifling through the car. They were doing it while people were yeah. there. What happened? Did they chase them yeah. out? Yeah, oh, uh, Justin wow. Keller from here chased them down, took her picture, and really? I don't know what happened after that. But wow, we had at the at the old building, we had a situation where I, I was on the third floor, and all I could hear was cops everywhere. Like there's, you know, sirens going off like crazy. I run downstairs, and there's cops like under covers with guns drawn, like <laughs> running all over the place. And then of course I go downstairs, and a police dog runs by me. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to get bit. They're chasing someone down, but they've got, like, a perimeter on him. And this one guy, uh, his, his name is Chris Powell. He's a really quiet guy. And you would consider, like, you know, quote, unquote, like a, like a, a techie nerdy guy. All of a sudden, this guy tries climbing over the fence. And who takes him down but Chris Powell? He ripped over <laughs> and just dropped this guy and held him down for the cops. Turns out, I guess, um, while these police officers were talking to the suspect, um, he just grabbed one of their guns. Wow. He just pulled it right out and grabbed wow. one of their guns. So it, you could tell the response is a, a pretty. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah that's uh, one way to get shot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, either way, uh, whether you're the police officer yeah. or you're the, the suspect. But yeah, yeah. That's, that's crazy. So, um, trying to trying to get back on track um, in terms of questioning and things that I wanted to know from Ron. Actually, I have one question. So, there how you did you go from the programming side to like what got you into the security awareness uh, playground? Oh, uh, the, the the huge loads of money. Oh wait. <laughs> oh, then the reality came. No, it was uh. Well, I've always done, uh, you know, you work at a small company. I've always been, uh, I've been with uh, Core Solutions and now uh, Freepoint Technologies. Uh, See, yeah, I was right when I said Core Solutions yeah. last week. You were right. I, I had no idea that he was even in London. I just, Nobody I just does, was man. a, I was a fan. That's why, <laughs> that's why I'm a security guy. You don't know where I am. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, right, I'm, I'm actually like right He's in my house. <laughs> He's well, the one that locked the door, so my girlfriend couldn't get. Yeah, it. that could yeah. get me into some other issues. But yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, but it's uh, no, I I I started you know as a, as a programmer tech guy. I mean, to me, it's kind of all related. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a love of technology and you know code and electronics and <laughs> everything. But uh, working for a small company, uh, Core Solutions, and uh, now Freepoint, 
Uh, so Freepoint Technologies acquired Core Solutions in uh, January. So I actually work for Freepoint Technologies. Okay. Kind of work for both. So you are not right. Both. <laughs> both. No, they're both. still they're, yeah, the, yeah. The, they're both the both entities are still there. What do they do? Like what? What's the uh, Core Solutions is the uh, services side of the business. So it's uh, custom software, database development, and Freepoint Technologies is IoT uh, or you know IIoT. So they do uh, typically the manufacturing space. So their boxes actually record, and yeah, they have a lot of very, very awesome products. So ShiftWorks is actually one of their uh, really flagship products and uh, really well done. And they do IoT, which, you know, especially in my, uh, you know, what I do and what I look at, IoT, for, for the most part, scares the hell out of me. That's like the biggest yeah. security uh, I was, risk. I was going to ask questions related to that, because obviously you had the... Uh, the ones where it took over the IP cameras. Yeah. Um, yep. And then there was the like baby monitor yep. situation where, you know, you've got a hacker talking to your kid. Like, so no the thanks. crazy thing is about the internet cameras and I, I won't, we talked about tangents. Um, <laughs> it's not something where you have to be a hacker to figure out uh, webcams. You can literally no. go into Google and it's called Google dorking. Yeah. There's a set of commands you can put in. You can find open databases that are on the internet with the passwords, usernames, yep. you know, things that people didn't do, logs of people who have attempted to log in but put in the wrong password. It could have been the wrong number or something, and you could easily figure that out. Or yep. just find webcams. And it's Actually, I'd go even 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 beyond that. Just go to Shogun. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, Shogun. that's what I was about to say, yeah. was uh, Shogun um, has that ability. You, I, I've done it. Yeah. I've looked at a I've looked at it's a IP camera crazy. in Japan before. Yeah, just because. I mean, some of them are there open because they're like pointed at like a, a you know, you know, ones where they do like the um, where the eagles are, you know, their eggs are about to right. open hatch. Right, those are open ones. But even ones that are just not supposed to be online or yeah. connected to the open internet. Yeah, those are scary. Yeah, you can do traffic ones, all kinds of stuff. Now I've incriminated myself now that I've tried it, but <laughs> and you said like, it on the air. I just yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm going to cut that part out. Um it'll just be like um that part will be Charlie Brown's teacher. Remember. You know, so, but you don't actually you should leave in the statement where you said I'm going to cut that part out. Yeah. But leave that in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll say what part? Yeah. And chirp <laughs> yeah, and then, and then and then get all the listeners to comment on what they what, think, what they think I, what yeah. I incriminated myself on. But like, it's it's just there's a, a a lot of things that, well, everything has these IoT sensors now, and so there's a potential that you could be connected to everything. Yeah, and it all thermostats, depends. smart door locks, all that stuff. It's yeah, the smart wild. home as they call it, right? Yeah, so that's why I don't have that. Yeah, and Sarah uh, got what fell for that whole. Hey, you get a free Google. No, whatever Google Home. Google home. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, that that's not going in the house. It's well, that, been unplugged since you got it. Well, that's where IoT actually, you know, can be very scary, and that's where one thing I really appreciate uh, how Freepoint actually does things with uh, their IoT. So their IoT is actually uh, quite a bit different, where they don't actually connect directly to any of the machines that they monitor. Everything is actually uh, using. I think it's. Uh, not exact on the terms or like inductive you know it's uh it's not it's indirect so it's not actually there's no connections to the machines no direct connections it's basically just like clamps around wires or you know it might actually just look at something and and record it that way so that actually doesn't affect or connect to the machine so So if if anything happens it's just going to happen to that to the machine there's no way it can actually have any effect to any of the manufacturing plants and especially in today's world yeah that's where manufacturing is such a vital important part especially to the middle class it's such a huge thing especially with the ip that's involved you have iot obviously getting into there and you have some plants buying machinery where it's built inside the machine and it can be compromised and hacked and then you have you know company like free points come along where they're actually having their their boxes and their probes that indirectly measure where it doesn't actually touch connect no direct connection yeah it's like so imagine you're like your pepsi and you don't want to be in competition with Coca-Cola anymore. So you just pay someone to shut down all of their systems. <laughs> like that's, I mean, it's that's... shifty, but at the same time, it's totally possible. possible, right? And I feel like it would be like the, the global gym from uh, Dodgeball type of situation, <laughs> right? Like you could, yeah, that's... that's well, it's not I, even I just manufacturing, but even in healthcare, like those um, IV pumps. Yeah. Some of those are connected... 
well, the majority of them now are connected. And like there was a thing a little while ago on, um, uh, I forget the website, I think it's ThreatPost. Um, and they were talking about how people can just change the medicine that's coming out, like oh, how yeah. it's administered, <laughs> how fast it is. And, and yeah, you don't want you don't want uh, someone controlling uh, grandma's. No, uh, and why that's connected to the <laughs> open internet, I would have no idea. Like you think that would that, be an that internal. That makes no sense at all. But call you for stats and data. Everybody, you know what they say: data is the new oil. <clears throat> right. And you know they're collecting this data, and and that data is out there. It's getting compromised, and it's not even so much that the hospital has to get compromised. Uh, you know, the thing when it comes to resiliency and you know, disaster recovery and knowing where your data is. But it's also not necessarily where your data is. It's where your vendor yeah. is as well. well because MSPs are getting hit now. And once yeah. that's hit, now they got access to all these other companies that they're helping. Yeah, I, th- that was – so I can't – I think it's in Texas. Um, don't quote me on this. But an MSP got hit. And that meant that – because a lot of the cities there uh, didn't have IT departments. They – used an MSP and that MSP got hit, which meant that, you know, 18 of them of these little t- towns and cities had ransomware. I think it was 30, wasn't it? Was it 30? It was 18 or th- yeah. Yeah. It it's something. a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. So now it's like, what type of things can you do as an MSP to make sure that that doesn't happen? Yeah. And what types of things should you be doing as a, you know, a customer of that MSP to ensure that your MSP is, is, done their diligence yeah it's kind of yeah. An interesting thing. yeah there's a lot of uh you know some things that seem very strange and it's almost unbelievable you'll see that uh, a lot of people when they talk about security and especially with awareness and phishing you know you, you hear you hear phrases like one employee opening up a bad attachment can bring a company to its knees now believe it or not that actually is true it is true because there was that police department that got yeah. hit the yeah. one person opened up an email and they got ransomware. The police department ended up paying, and then they got hit again two weeks later. Yeah. And I'm almost confident I heard it was the same employee. So, like that's where your security awareness and training comes in. That could where, also be insider threat, which is another huge issue that you have to worry about. That's true. That too. person may not have accidentally opened up that yeah. attachment. They could have been coerced to open up that attachment, and that's the thing. And I think you have to look just at... Just standing over them, just like click the link, click well, that link right there. This or you is, can get a cut. But this is yeah. where it's starting to really identify a lot of problems in the industry is that if you really think about how silly that is that one person can take a company down. Yeah. No one person sh- should have enough access or power in a company to, be able to, to just completely bring it down. cripple a company. And that's what we're seeing today is what is a very common practice. And... It's just bad practices. It's bad habits. And uh, I posted actually tonight, I, I put a post on LinkedIn talking about how bad, bad habits scale. You know, you're a small company. You've got 20 staff. You're not <clears throat> setting up things in a, in, a, in a proper fashion. And then you get, you explode. You know, you get bigger. You get 50 employees, 100 employees. So you right. know, hundreds and thousands like Infotech has. But if you start out doing things in a bad format, in a bad habit, that's going to scale with you. Yeah, that's and, true. And, that's you know, because a lot of people still have, uh, like, local admin access to uh, their machines. Yeah, they... can you imagine just, like, being your own administrator on each machine throughout the whole company versus a local account? And then if you need to do something, you have to put in the admin password. Yeah, that, that, that used to be, like, that when we first norm. started, we were able to do, like, you could do stuff like yeah. that. You could put stuff on your laptop, um, or at least I was able to at, at the level that I was at. But... The second time we tried to record this podcast, no, we couldn't down. do anything because we had our work computers and we knew that we could do it using Audacity, but we couldn't because we weren't able to download anything. We had no admin rights. And, Which and is annoying, that's but good. It's, it's good. It's good. Right? It was yeah. annoying that day, but if you think about it in the big picture, mm-hmm. that's that's good. Yeah. I, there's, a, there's people uh, that work here that... Um, you know, they're not the techiest people and could very easily just, you know, bring down our network if that was the case. Yeah. So, um, yeah, even, it makes sense. Even tech people, you know, social engineering is so good nowadays that, uh, you know, even even I look at some things that I get and go, wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think there well, was the one that you posted once. It was the Rogers. Yeah. Email cool. and it they basically spoof the Rogers email. Yeah. They're, it, beautifully. They're, they but, get it's it's that, um, you know. Uh, the power of invention, right? If you think about 
ingenuity the ingenuity of people in jail and how they try to break out yeah. is pretty creative right yep. and so it's the same thing as like if it stops working um it, it's it's so bad here that we've taken the we've, we've done the security awareness training it's so bad here that they it has a hard time getting us to do anything because <laughs> no one believes their emails yeah. Like it literally has to be announced <laughs> as a team. Like, guys, by the way, that email from IT, you it's do actually, actually have to follow that. Yeah. yeah. Which well, is great. It's, it's a good thing well, to have. You know, zero trust is, uh, you know, where things are going. But it's also turning out to be no trust. You yeah. know, and it's a sad state in this world where we can't trust anything we see or hear. And that is actually where things are going is that you can't trust anything you see. And are you saying there's fake news out there? <laughs> uh, fake news well did you see the uh the obama uh video that i posted yeah. uh, months uh yeah people were yeah. pretty shocked at that that it was uh i can't remember the actor uh that does the obama. uh key uh the guy from key and peel oh he's good yeah when yeah he does it yeah. but yeah so they basically they, spoofed obama yeah deep fake and he was just saying some Divorce. pretty atrocious yeah. stuff but yeah if you were just I someone that. that doesn't really know what that is and only cropped that video to show obama you would have lost your mind no, and that's the thing is I, I think that there's a lot of people out there that the first time they see anything or they post they a video, it. they believe it right away. And I'm that guy that always sends you the email after saying, you know, that's not real, yeah. right? And then but they get all pissed off. The problem is, though, it. that's not even the problem. It's okay, cool. So now I know it's fake. But the problem is that thought is still in my head that. It's like you just you keep thinking about it every time. The next time, like let's say for, for example, Obama was still the president. If I happen to see him again on TV, I'm going to be thinking about that other video, and it yeah. just stays in your mind, and you now have that misconception about that. Well, I person. think that's, like, that's we're not going to get into politics, obviously, but I mean that's basically what example. Trump has done. So, but uh, yeah, we won't get into politics. But so, you, but you know, fishing is uh, social engineering is is deep fakes. Everything is very difficult. And actually, I'll give uh, uh, I'll give something a. Uh, a little bit of credit here. He actually fished me actually not that long ago where he actually sent me a link on LinkedIn and said, <laughs> hey, Ron, can you check this out and see if this is working okay for me? It was to a phishing site that he tracked that I clicked. He goes, you clicked it. I go, <laughs> and I go, of course I clicked it. You sent me to check it out. You're my friend of mine. Oh, you're a but, jerk. Why did you do that? But, I was saying... But you, that, but you that wanted shows. to test his credibility before bringing him <laughs> on the show? But that just shows you. To be honest, this was maybe two months ago. And the crazy part is I've only known Ron for three months. <laughs> I feel like I've known him forever. Why did but you do that to him? I don't, I think it's we were talking about. It's amazing I even about... came tonight. I, I actually, I'm still, like, I cry at night over this. Oh, <laughs> man. You've given him a complex. No, like, I think what happened he's... was we were talking about how if somebody's account gets compromised and how easy it is for, let's say if I took over your LinkedIn account. Yeah. And yeah. I sent... I don't know, Ron, now that you're connected. Hey, Ron, check this out. Yeah. He's not going to think twice about it. I know. I've done this before. Even as a security expert, I still clicked his link because it looked fine. It did not look anything... That's so part of that's part of, a, of of a doxing method too. So you can what you can do is you can send a link and say, "Hey, does this does this work?" And it's a link to a website that when they click on it, it then tells you um, that they've clicked on it. Yep. But it also tells you what their IP address is, and that's part of finding out the information yep. of doxing someone. And then mm-hmm. when you dox someone, I mean, you could there's um, you could do all kinds of crazy things when you know where people live. Like take Carrie Holtzman. Um, who's agreed to be on the show in a couple of months when he's not so busy. But uh, Kerry Holtzman, who does his own video series on YouTube, um, building uh, gaming computers and so on and so forth, but he got swatted. So so they they said that – he's in Arizona. They said that he had killed – he had called – uh, the police and said that he killed his wife and she was in the backyard. Well, sure enough, he's recording his show. And, people just, and yeah. the SWAT team broke down his freaking door. And it was it's crazy because that happens caused... to people on Twitch, on yeah. all those streaming things. They're just playing video games and all of a sudden the SWAT team is behind And them. how do you wow. think they got their address? Yeah. It was doing a phishing scam just like that. Yeah. And you click on the link, by the way. When you click on the link, it, it doesn't work. No. It looks like it doesn't work. And then you, they say, like does this fake, work? And yeah, then they say, no, it didn't page. work. And you're like, yeah. okay, cool, thanks. I just needed yeah. to know. And next thing you know, you've got that person's IP address and their, and their home address. Yeah. So, yeah, don't click any links ever, especially from <laughs> from, from people that you know. And, you know, that, that's where I think it's such a sad state of affairs because, you know, you know, you want to send me a cool article to look at because, you know, we both have a huge affinity and love for things that are all space. Yep. So he says, you know, what if he sends me an ace article, uh, something from NASA to send? 
do I just say I'm not clicking anything he ever sends? I can't. Well, I, right, I right click on it and yeah. then inspect what the the actual link, link is. is. Yeah. So here's the thing. I don't know if you well, you know Sandor. He commented on your yeah. uh, in our post. So the one time he had posted something on LinkedIn. Um, it said, you know, make sure you don't click on this link because it's a malicious website. Yeah. But look at the uh, screenshot that comes up. You know, when you post a link, it shows a little picture of where it's going to go to. Yep. Um, it comes up as Google. But it's a malicious website. So it comes up saying, okay, if you click on this link, it's going to take you to Google.com, Google.ca. But really, it's taking you to a malware infested website yeah i can't believe he actually posted that real actually well yeah <laughs> but no. he did say don't click it yeah, yeah but that's, that, that's that means you do click it yeah there's <laughs> there's a um because obviously we're we're i'm in i'm in sales and i have a, a team underneath me and one of the things is trying to get across to customers via email and it's really hard obviously because no one reads their emails or wants to look at them but um yeah <laughs> So one of the subject lines to get people to open your email, and uh, although we never used it, obviously it's cheesy, was don't open this email. <laughs> like right there, you're like, don't tell me what to do. Yeah, reverse, I'll, I'll, reverse yeah it's reverse engineering. Like, I'll, I'll click on it if I want to. You can't boss me around. <laughs> you just came up with a whole new uh, style now, reverse social engineering. Yeah, yeah reverse social engineering. <laughs> don't give me your password. Please hey, listen, I don't link. want you to ever give me your password. Please don't ever give it to it me. It works with kids. <laughs> I mean, we got kids. It, it, it works for them. Yeah, it's the that taking away. Like, we're going to yeah. take something away from you. Um, but yeah, interesting. So, I mean, we're coming up on the end of the podcast um, and I wanted to uh, leave it to Ron to, to let us know what are the best practices? Like what should listeners do to make sure, and like this is on a personal level and, and also on the, the business level, like two different questions there is like, what, what are the best practices? What do you think is going to keep people safe? Cause even you got hit uh, by self hand. Uh, well, you know, first of all, don't don't ever trust anybody from uh, Infotech. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. this this again, this podcast is not affiliated with Infotech in any way. They don't sponsor us, nor did they listen to it. So. No, okay, you, can, you can edit that out. You know, yeah. I I think uh, you know, I rather I think what's happening today is that we're overwhelming people with what has to be done. You know, I sent her a post right that had you know, do these lists, and I actually have a you know a post if you look from today's. I don't know what date this comes out, but the date that uh, uh, that is today, so on Saturday, uh, about here's some best practices to actually do. But you know the thing about it, November second for people that are going to follow Ron Craig on LinkedIn. Yeah, so you can post. you can look at that and you can say, okay, that's a lot of stuff, and I think that's too much. I think what we're going to have to start doing is getting people uh, kind of socialized and and little baby steps along the way. So I think from both points of view. So let's say a company person. The, the biggest thing I see people needing to do is to turn on multi-factor authentication. You need to get two-factor authentication on. And I don't want to go into all the details uh, about why you shouldn't use SMS, which is basically a text message to your phone. That's basically one of the easiest to compromise. So you can use like an authenticator app. So you can download Microsoft Authenticator, Google Authenticator, get your LinkedIn account, your Facebook account, your Microsoft 365 account, which your company can do. Yeah. So if you're going through Azure AD uh, and all the other services, because companies are using third-party project management systems, they should be supporting two-factor authentication. Yeah. If they aren't, you should get on them. I mean, I wouldn't even be nice about it. Because it <laughs> yeah. is crucial. We, uh, that this we stuff are is lucky on. that we, we have that. Um, yeah, but I think I would say start there. Get two-factor authentication on your accounts. So, now, would you still say that although SMS is still, you know, highly, you can compromise it, it's probably still good to have it on ones nothing. that don't have, like, yep. app-based. App yeah, Microsoft even had stats out that said that uh, I think it's 99.9% uh, effective protection rate for two-factor authentication. Now, they didn't break it down based off of, you know, they do have other stats to say this type of authentication, SMS is not that great. Even authenticator apps can be uh, reverse, yeah. reverse proxy attack. Because really the SMS one, it would have to be a targeted effort. Yes. And you still have to be fished. Yeah. You still it you still have to be successfully fished to even get through like the authenticator app yeah. uh, exploits for the reverse proxy. So the Modushka, or how do you say it, Modushka reverse proxy. Yeah, I don't know how to say it, but I know what you're talking about. Can get around <laughs> uh, MFA even through the authenticator app. The only ones that uh, appear to be immune... Uh, to phishing right now are smart cards and the FIDO2, so the Yubico keys. Yeah. But 
to say everybody go out and get a Yubigo key, I'd love it and I'd love you if you use my link. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, you know, that's maybe not realistic. But you get walk two, before you run. Yeah, get, get two factor steps. authentication on. Get it on your Facebook, your LinkedIn, your Twitter. Your, boy, we have a lot of accounts. Yeah, the, it's <laughs> it's insane how many different things that you need a password to get into, and that goes back to having like either a Yubico key or having some sort of password manager. Um, I don't even. I, I mean, I never remember where my keys are. Never mind remembering yeah, password. all those passwords. <laughs> well, the future is passwordless. Yeah. Uh, I, I could leave it there and don't want to go into the yeah, yeah. at the end of the time. It's but a, but good... something to look into. They, they, they really have that saying out there. The future is passwordless. You're not going to have passwords in the near future. You're not going to need them. But I I'll leave it, it there. And you guys can, uh, people can look at what that really means. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can always bring you back to talk about it. Absolutely. But thanks so much, Ron. Um, it was great to finally meet you in person. Um, Pleasure to be here. Big fan of all your posts. And so for people um, who want to follow Ron, it's just, I guess, the LinkedIn and look for Ron Craig. Yeah. 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 Ron C is what it would come up as. But uh, yeah. Security guy through and through. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much. And uh, well, it was a pleasure yeah, to be here. Thanks so much, Ron.